This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by HVAC Trustbooks. Go to HVACTrustbooks.com to discover how this tool can help you close more sales. Thank you for joining us. Here is how we will help your business and you today. We all exit our businesses. It is much better to plan our exit than to have it happen without our control. I once worked with a contractor in his 40s who had a massive heart attack and died with no succession planning. His wife didn't want to run the business, so, he sold the, so she sold the business in pieces in a fire sale. Not exactly the way you want to exit. So these next two podcasts talk about succession and the potential for selling your business, whether it is to family, employees, or outsiders, what to prepare for, and what the sales process is like. My guest is Ashish Ashkalar, founder and CEO of Near You, a company whose vision is to be the best employer and provide the best customer service experience in the HVAC industry. In terms of full disclosure, I am an advisory board member to Near You. Ashish, welcome to Contractor Sense. Thank you, Ruth. Good morning. It is my pleasure to host you. We've been working together probably, what, about two years now? Close. Yeah, yeah. Close. Yeah, close to two years. Absolutely. And yeah, and you, know, you came to me with the vision and what you really mm-hmm. wanted to do with the HVAC industry and, and really be the best in the HVAC industry and started the process. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, cust- anybody who it doesn't have to be HVAC, you guys could be plumbers or electricians or, you know, pool and spa guys, generator guys, you know, any contractor who wants to sell his or her business. What do they have to think about? What do they have to get ready? Um, you know, and we're going to talk through that in a lot of detail today. But the reality is, is they have to make the decision to sell first, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to, happy to dive into that, Ruth. And thanks for having me. You know, <clears throat> uh, as I think about Near You and when we got started, uh, this, was, this was the primary driver of my uh, endeavors in the beginning to understand how do contractors think about succession planning? How do they think about transitioning their business? And it dawned on me that because of the day-to-day uh, sort of tactical responsibilities, a lot of business owners don't have the time to think about it. So I would say first, <clears throat> it's not an overnight thing, right? You have to uh, prepare for it. Oftentimes it takes people anywhere from one to two years uh, to prepare for a successful transition to, you know, like you said, either employees or <clears throat> family members or outsiders. And how do you start thinking about it? The first process is to go through your financials and understand what are the areas of your business that would be attractive to a potential uh, buyer, anyone that wants to take that on. And as you think about the profit and loss statement, you will start seeing things like, what is your revenue mix made up of? Oftentimes, uh, people try to uh, chase the, the most convenient dollar, as a result of which your revenue mix tends to be more non-recurring, more choppy in nature. So as you think about transitioning your business and getting the most value for it, you need to focus on optimizing your revenue mix. And what I mean by that is, more maintenance agreements, more recurring revenue, uh, less revenue that is dependent on the economic cycle, 
would make your business more attractive. Now that takes a time, that takes a while, right? So you can't fix that overnight. That is why I, I brought that up first. As you look at your profit and loss statement, there are expenses uh, on the on the PNL that you need to really start separating the personal expenses uh, that you uh, may have been running through the business uh, because of your ownership from the core business expenses because as people think about uh, the value of your business, they're gonna look at the bottom line and apply a multiple on that. So being able to separate the personal expenses from business expenses is a very important step. And I have no problem saying that despite near you, one of near you's core uh, strategies to buy companies, I, I want our fellow contractors to benefit from this advice. So this is completely unbiased. Uh, so as you study the PNL and start thinking through uh, how to optimize the revenue mix, how to make sure all the expenses are well categorized. The next step is to look at that perspective and translate that into actual numbers. So getting help from a CPA that will allow the, uh, the you know, that will clean up the, he or she will clean up the books, and make sure the uh, PNL is understandable to a buyer, uh, that the financial trends are very clear, um, there are things like inventory that need to be accounted for properly. So all of that takes time. And the sooner you get started, the better off you are going to be. And then finally, but, the team. Let me stop, let me stop you here. Because you yeah. made a very, very good point that I've been talking about for years to all of you. You have to have inventory on your balance sheet. You have to properly account for the expenses that you have that are material expenses versus inventory. And if those of you have, who have grown more than a million dollars and you don't have inventory on your balance sheet, it is painful to put it on. So, okay, sorry. Now you can do the finally. <laughs> no worries. No, that's, that's a great point, Ruth. <clears throat> uh, I was going to say, you know, looking at the P&L and making sure that your business is positioned for long-term success through recurring revenue and the financials are clean, I would say those are table stakes. What the entrepreneur should also think about is the team, right? At the end of the day, um, you want to transition your business to someone that's going to take care of your customers and employees. While you don't want to go around telling your employees that you are going to sell the business, you need to bring some key leaders in the business in the loop and have a candid conversation with them about the fact that you are nearing you know, retirement and you're thinking about it and that you are considering transitioning the business to a different owner. The more you keep your employees in the loop and are candid about it, while it might seem a little daunting, it might seem a little scary uh, as to how they will react, they would appreciate that. Oftentimes what we have seen is if the employees feel like they sort of got blindsided by a transaction and only get to know about that on the day of closing, uh, that feeling uh, can hurt some employees and they may decide to um, somewhere else or they may feel like their loyalty was not respected so it's a good idea for you to in a very honest but uh, uh, measured way uh, bring them in the loop not to scare them but tell them that this is the need of the business to take the business from where it is today to the next level this transition is necessary and involve them in the process and make them a part of the endeavor because at the end of the day it's their future it's also uh, it's important that some key leaders of the business weigh in on who your potential uh, 
uh, transition partner or buyer is going to be. So those are those are the high level uh, parameters I would think about. And then one last point, uh, okay. more transaction oriented, is it is very important that you choose the attorneys properly. Um, uh, you you would need a very uh, you'd need a specialist here, M&A attorney, that has done this before, um, and CPA. That that's going to be kind of your core team, CPA attorney, and uh, your management team would be your pillars that you would use to make a successful transition. Cool. All right. When we get back from break, let's dive into a little bit of some of these and. You know, we'll talk about how to address your team. We'll talk about, you know, some of the horror stories I've seen with CPAs and, and attorneys, not necessarily with the near you experience, but just overall in transitioning businesses and things that you might uh, watch out for. So thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. We will be right back. Do you ever have warranty leak issues? One of Ruth King's clients did about four years ago. Thousands of dollars in expense and unhappy customers. She solved this problem for him, though. How? with a leak letter that every customer must sign with a service technician discovers a refrigerant leak. Once they implemented the letter, there were no more warranty leak headaches. No warranty leak callbacks. Happier customers. The surprising result was more replacement sales too. To get a copy of the leak letter for free, just send Ruth an email at ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. That's ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. You can't. That's what my daughter Kate told me when I said I wanted to make financials fun. The gauntlet was laid down. The red blanket was waved in front of the bowl. Ronin the Rubber Duck was born. This ebook is a whimsical look at financials from a duck's perspective. To get this fun, easy to read Kindle book, go to Amazon and search for Ronin the Rubber Duck Dives Into Financials. That's R-O-N-A-N, the Rubber Duck Dives Into Financials. Let me know if I made financials fun for you. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to Contractor Sense. We've been talking about the getting ready for sale or getting ready for succession process. And Ashish, at the end of the first segment of this, you said talk to your employees about it because you don't want them blindsided. And I totally agree with that. But how do you have that conversation? It's a great point, Ruth. And it's not easy, right? I'll start with that (laughs) because... Uh, the perception, the general perception is no matter how big or small the business, the perception is that when a company gets taken over or acquired, um, there is a lot of layoffs and uh, people are worried about their jobs. Uh, a lot of these employees um, value the small business culture that was built by the entrepreneur. So it's a sensitive topic. And you, I think the first step is educating them, Right that this is not a bad thing. It's necessary for the future of the company and the employee's future is tied to the future of the company. So educating them, I think bringing on uh, someone like you, Ruth, is a fantastic idea uh, to talk about why a company has to change hands from one owner to another. Um, And it has to do with the fact that the old ownership may have hit a wall in terms of bandwidth or have a life event or are thinking about retiring. So that education process, I think, is very, very critical um, so that there is no shock, right, uh, about you know, suddenly the old owner transitioning out. The second step, in my mind, is making sure that they know very clearly 
the objective of this process is not necessarily to just sell the company and you know uh, sail off right because it's a service business all contractors uh, all contractor m a transactions it's very important that the seller participates in a transition process so that the employees and customers are taken care of. We take that very seriously at near you. And we in fact move most of our uh, transitioning sellers onto a founder's council so that they can kind of be involved in a more passive way to ensure that the companies and customers and employees are taken care of. So making them understand that, that this is not about pulling a plug and then suddenly some new entity is gonna come in and change things upside down for them. Depending on who the buyer is, um, uh, the the outcomes will be different. Uh, I cannot speak for others, but at near you, we take great pride in the fact that our transitions, we don't rush uh, people into anything. We try to take the approach that slow is safe and safe is fast in this journey, mainly to, make, to ensure that employees are able to successfully onboard uh, with the new ownership. And then we wanna empower those employees to actually uh, uh, implement positive forward-looking changes that we want to make if we need to change anything. And so helping them understand that there is going to be a lot of support, there is going to be a lot of holding the hands during this transition, and no one should be unnecessarily worried about their job. No one should be unnecessarily worried about benefits going away or uh, anything uh, crazy happening to their status quo. It's extremely critical. And uh, while you are doing this, you want to make sure that you're doing this with a a closed circle of leaders that can fully digest this because not everyone is going to be able to rationalize what you tell them. So identifying who those leaders are so they become the band ambassadors of this transition when the day comes uh, to close the deal, they then talk to their teams and so on. So that is the utopian scenario. Now, depending on company to company this will change but that you know i i tried to i tried to cram down a lot of things in one and a half minutes for, yeah so, sure know, but yeah and the reality is is let's assume that you're going to transition the company to your children everybody in the company already knows it i mean it's it, yeah. it's always a thought that all right you're going to go someday and your kids are going to be running it or whomever you know friends whatever it is. And so some of your employees may not want your kids, may not respect your kids. Unfortunately, I've seen it when kids take over, people leave. Other situations happen where kids take over, they've been groomed properly. They're not considering the business as their personal checkbook, so to speak. And they actually do really well and take the business and, and do phenomenally well with it. Um, I've seen it both ways. So, you know, Ashish, you know, from, from the perspective of, you know, talking to people, I want to go through the advisor piece because I have seen CPAs, I have seen attorneys try to screw up deals because they're going to be out of a customer. And I think that, you know, out of the customer is my way of looking at it, but I don't think they have had the, the interests of the the company at, at heart, they had their interests at heart. So, you know, how do we prevent something like that happening? That is very common, Ruth, and it's a great point. And I've seen a lot of fellow contractors uh, have that issue in the past as, as we looked at different deals. The, I think the, the key there is to trust your counterparty, right? And that's why it's very important to work with people that have integrity and honesty. And um, because you're taking a leap of faith during the process itself, 
So you need to do your work to vet who you want to really work with as you're considering selling your business. Um, if they have a deep balance sheet and just are, you know, just have a big checkbook uh, that are coming in and going to buy your business, but their core values are not aligned with yours and you can't quite trust them, that is when uh, some other stakeholders can take disadvantage of your state of mind where you are spending a ton of time on a deal and then it doesn't go through because the attorneys brought up something last minute and both sides could not work out a deal in good faith. So if you work with a trusted counterparty, meaning meaning a trusted buyer, potential buyer, um, that has transparency in their process, is willing to walk you through the, the steps um, in, a, in a fashion that you will understand, given that most contractors have now done this before in their lives and the buyer needs to understand and appreciate that and not take this advantage of it. They actually need to educate the sellers so that uh, they are not overwhelmed and don't take, uh, are not, uh, like you said, screwed by the advisors. So that <laughs> vetting the buyer upfront is extremely, extremely important in my, in my mind. And, Interview a few people, right? Like just don't work with the CPA that you know from the last 40 years. Maybe they are not the right CPA to think about from a transaction perspective. So find an independent CPA. There's a lot of CPAs that would be willing to take a transaction fee. There's a lot of, a lot of attorneys that would be willing to take a transaction fee. And the other stakeholder route you didn't talk about is brokers, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah we have 30 seconds. Okay, talk about brokers in 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. But broker, brokers... Uh, if, if you're working with a broker, uh, just make sure that you read your contract properly and um, really get to know them personally so you understand what value they're going to add and don't want them to inflate your expectations on pricing because that can leave you hanging in the market for a while and not get a deal done because they just told you the wrong price. So it's, there is no formula here. And I'll just close out with saying that uh, I'm going to be conducting uh, a few webinars here um, in some markets that we operate in, in the North and South Carolina markets. And people are welcome to run those webinars and, and we can dive deeper into some of these details. But uh, at a high level, being alert, being watchful, and really being clear-eyed about who you're choosing to be your partner and what track record they have and your counterparty um, is extremely important so that you don't get blindsided. Absolutely. So you and I have seen some horror stories. And I mean, even before I met you, I'd seen some horror stories and I've seen some really good situations too. So Ashish, I'm looking forward to part two where we're really going to talk through an overall um, process to go from, okay, I'm interested to, okay, the checks in my bank account. So it's a, it's a long process and, and can take and be very, very frustrating at times for both sides. So thanks for joining us. And, thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day. <coughs> now I